Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer's Sermon Podcast. The readings appointed for this sermon are from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1, verse 6 through 14, 1 Peter, chapter 4, verse 12 through 14, and chapter 5, verse 6 through 11, the Gospel according to John, chapter 17, verse 1 through 11, and Psalm 68, verse 1 through 10, and 33 through 36. God grant us serenity to accept the things that we cannot change, courage to change the things that we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Please be seated. Today is the last Sunday in the Easter season, and throughout this Easter season we have been focusing in our sermons and homilies, particularly on these readings from 1 Peter, with a reminder that these, this, this letter, 1 Peter, is a letter uh, written to, the early, to an early congregation or to the first generation of Christians. And the letter is really about what Christians are going through in the world and how they can seek God in the world and what it means for them even to be Christian. It is fitting for us to read these readings during Easter because Easter is that time where we are, where what it means to be Christian is defined. We are celebrating the resurrection and we only exist as Christians because of that resurrection and in proclamation of that, observation and and, and reverence to that. And so it makes sense for us to stop and go, what does it even mean for us to be here? Why are we us? Why are we Christians? We've also had a number of baptisms throughout Easter as we do today, and baptisms also are an occasion for us to stop and say, why do we do this? What is this for? Why do we, what, are, what are we bringing people into and what does it mean? Well, one thing that Peter has wanted to make sure we're clear about throughout the letter, and we've heard this all throughout Easter, is that becoming Christian does not make your life easier. And if you were hoping that becoming Christian would make everything easier for you, you've picked the wrong religion. That in fact, believing in God, believing in uh, in the Christian God, and then participating in this Christian faith is not something that will make your life uh, without suffering. But in fact, if you are serious about following Jesus, you're going actually to suffer in ways you wouldn't have otherwise. And of course, we know this because to follow Jesus is to love. To follow Jesus is to give yourself and your heart to this world, to love this world with reckless abandon the way that God loves this world. And I'll tell you what, something you already know, which is when you give your heart to something, you suffer at least a little bit. Now, it it makes your life richer and more full. And of course, our hearts are broken open by love, and it's amazing. But love brings us into a new way of experiencing pain as well. And we need to acknowledge that. That's why it's great, the letter, the part that we heard today that Ed read so beautifully at the very beginning, it says, don't be surprised by the fiery ordeal that you're in. He's basically like, you're you're surprised that you're suffering? Friends, this is status quo, he says. We, like in the last few years, when we've been like, unprecedented times. Are they, though? Like maybe for our lifetime, but if you look at the grand scopes of humanity... Uh, The times we've been living in seem ridiculously precedented, actually. We live and we know what suffering is, and this is part of it, and it's painful for us. But it's Easter, and we focus on something very miraculous and powerful, which is the resurrection of Jesus. 
And during this time, we ask the question, what does the resurrection mean for us? Now, one of the answers is obvious for us as Christians, and we talk about it here a lot. That the resurrection of Jesus is, proves the point that God's love is stronger than death. Love is stronger than death. This is so essential for us to understand up here, but I want to tell you something. I think you already know in your heart that love is stronger than death. Because if you have lost anyone that you have loved ever in your life, do you still love them now? Yes. Did your love die? No. So we know that love is something that survives death. We know it here. We know it in our hearts. We know this is true about God, that God's love is stronger than that, stronger than any kind of death. But there's something else that Peter is trying to make clear for us today about the resurrection. It is that Jesus is continuing to work in our lives. And that God is faithful to us. God is faithful to us. Cast your cares, your anxieties upon him. Cast your anxieties upon him, Peter says, for God cares for you. And we need to hear this. Not because we are worried about believing in an uncaring God. We all think God cares in theory, in abstract. But in reality, in my life, in my personal life, is God caring about me right now, little old me? We all do this thing, oh, I don't want to bother God with all of my petty problems. God's much bigger. There's, a, there's wars and atrocities going on. God doesn't care about little old me. That is a thing that we do so that we don't have to make the risk of being vulnerable to God. Because we're scared that we don't matter. And we're scared of what happens if we just lay it all out for God. And so Peter says, no, God cares for you. This is part of the resurrection, by the way. Think about what it means for us that Jesus is resurrected, that he's still loving and living in our lives because, you know, Jesus could have come in the first place and just taught, and, you know, we could all just go, well, Jesus was a good teacher, uh, which people often say, and then do none of the things that Jesus taught, right? We just, oh, we have this example of how to live. I love examples of how to live. I ignore them beautifully. I don't know about you, right? That would have been fine. Or he could have lived like that and then died for us. And that's beautiful too. I mean, that's fantastic, right? This atoning sacrifice we hear about and in his death, all things are made right and that's fine. But in fact, he's raised up again and then he, he shows up and he's a part of the world again. Why? Peter says that it is to show us that God continues to be faithful to us and continues to care. We have a God who cares about us right now. You have a God who cares about you while you're sitting, where you're sitting right now, and wants to know what's going on with you. 
Now, there's a really frustrating part about this, and I've ignored it up to this point because I don't like to talk about the frustrating things until I have to. But I think we've reached that point in the sermon where I talk about the frustrating thing. Which is, you'll notice we can't find Jesus anywhere. Like, have you seen him lately? In person, yeah? Um, We're going to talk later. Um, I want to hear all about that. We have all these stories today, and we had this Feast of the Ascension on Thursday, and we have all these stories today of Jesus disappearing. He's here one minute, and he says, I'm here with you forever, I got you, and then he disappears. Whoa, wait a minute, right? I'm no longer going to be here in the way that I was, Jesus says, and then they go, what are you talking about? And then they all, he just goes, they all kind of go, uh, and then the worst thing happens, they look back down and all they have is each other, right? Oh, I'm left with you. Thanks, God. And this is how we act sometimes. That we'd love to have Jesus present in real and practical ways, but I guess we'll have each other as a great consolation prize. You are not a consolation prize, my friends. This is not God's consolation. I'm sorry I can't be there, but I'm going to send a runner-up. A bunch of people will see how it goes. The reality is that Jesus leaves bodily so that we can be Christ to one another spiritually and practically every single day. When we can't see Jesus in the flesh the way we want, we start looking around to see Jesus present in the world in other ways. And the greatest miracle of all creation is that Jesus continues to show up in the people right in front of you. God cares for you. And one of the ways that you can learn to believe that is not just by casting your anxieties in prayer upon God, though I recommend it, but also that we cast our cares and anxieties upon one another and find out that there are people who actually love and care for us. That we build a community of love and care for one another so that we can experience the miracle of God's love every single day. It is, is it our hope that these two children we baptize today, that they will see miraculous visions of Jesus? Maybe. Or is it our hope that they will know every single day that they are loved? Every single day that they matter. Every single day that they are a blessing, that they know it in their bones. Is that our hope, friends? Yes? Yes. How will they know it? Us. How will they know it? We will be God's love for them. This is the gift God gives us in the Holy Spirit. God empowers us by the Spirit to be Christ for one another, to love one another unconditionally, extravagantly, with abandon, to care for one another that way. This is the miracle God gives us, the beautiful gift of sharing life with each other. You are not alone. 
You notice that language in the text today where he says, the devil prowls like a roaring lion, seeking whom he will devour. And all you intellectual Episcopalians are like, do I believe in a literal devil? Is that something that I think is true? Uh, I mean, maybe in a spiritual sense, maybe you could. No, friends, do you understand that there are forces at work in your life that make you believe that you don't matter? There are things going on in your heart and in your life, and you call them the devil, you call them whatever you want, but you know that there are things that make you feel like you could cry out and no one would listen, like you could disappear and no one would care. You know that there are things that are work, at work in you that make you feel that way about other people, that tear us apart from one another. That is us being devoured by Satan. How do we beat down Satan at our feet How do we rise up into a life of resurrection? We do so by recognizing Christ's loving presence here and now in the people that God has given us. We look for Christ in each other and we learn to trust one another and we learn to care for one another. But there's another piece of this and it still might seem audacious to some of you. We also get to be Christ for each other. Be disciplined, Peter says, and he's not talking about exercising more. He's ta- sorry, but he isn't. He's talking about you making a practice of listening to others, of you making a practice of being Christ for one another, for seeking out the communities that build us up and living into them with intention and care. You are not alone. We are not alone. To say that we have each other is no small thing in this world. To say that we will intentionally love one another is a miracle. To live in this world as if every single person we meet, every one of them, bears the image of God. This is the great gift of the Holy Spirit. And to bring two new people into a life of a community that promises to love them and be Christ for them and to be transformed by them This is our great privilege and our great honor.